Even though the community has not yet davened on Friday evening, if an individual went ahead and davened Shabbos Marev while it was still day, then Shabbos has fallen for him, and he's forbidden to engage in forbidden activity. Even if he says, I don't want to accept Shabbos. If the majority of the congregation accepted Shabbos upon them, then the minority of the congregation are drawn with them against their will. You'd give Adam Shabbos, an individual that comes to a city on a Friday, and the inhabitants of that city already accepted Shabbos upon themselves, even though the day is still long, if he had any money or any objects on himself, he needs to let them fall. If it was a cloudy day and the congregation erred and thought that it was dark, they'd look in their ears and they lit candles. And they davened Mariv for Shabbos. Afterwards, the clouds dispersed and the sun shone. They need not go and redo their Mariv as long as when they davened, it was at least from Plag Mincha and above. If it was an individual that made this mistake, then he does need to go and redo his marriage. And when it comes to the performance of Malacha, whether we're talking about a congregation or an individual, they are permitted to the Kabbalah Shabbos House of Potos because the acceptance of Shabbos was in error. That those who lit candles are forbidden to do Malacha or Sharon, but everyone else is permitted. That that candle that was lit for the sake of Shabbos is forbidden to touch it and add oil to it. And even if it was ex- extinguished, it's forbidden to move it. One who delayed his davening of Mincha on Friday until the congregation had already accepted Shabbos, he may no longer daven Mincha in that shul, but he needs to walk outside, he needs to leave the shul, and daven the weekday davening. As long as he has not accepted Shabbos with them. But if he responded to the Baruch and accepted Shabbos with them, he can't daven a weekday davening. Rather, he must daven Mariv twice. If one comes to Shul, close to when the congregation is accepting Shabbos, he can begin to daven Mincha. Even though in the midst of his davening, they're going to accept Shabbos, there's no concern. Since he began permissibly. The one who accepted Shabbos upon himself before got dark may still ask a fellow Jew to do Malacha for him. And it's permissible to derive benefit from that Malacha on Shabbos. And how much more so after Shabbos? One who delays his Mariv on Matzah Shabbos or continues his Shalashudas into the night. It is permissible for him to ask a fellow Jew who has already davened and made Havdalah to do Malacha for him, to light candles or to cook for him. And it's permissible to derive benefit and to eat of his work, so it would appear. The laws of the wick and the oil.
One may not make a wick for the Shabbos lights. Whether talking about the candles on the table or any other candles in the house, from something that the light doesn't attach itself to. But it kind of dances around and the flame is is jumping. Going, for example, wool, and hair, and like or But from something that the light hangs from could go in pished on the futsa or bag like linen or silk with some geffen or cotton for cannabis uh or hemp and the like says and if you live from something that's forbidden you can't use its light as long as there is one candle from permissible items you can use the light of the other items and also something that's possible without a candle with glasses you can make it uh, and stand up by something by other candles and for the needs of Shabbos one can be lenient post facto if you wound something that you may light with around something that you cannot light with, if your intention was to thicken it, to thicken the wick, in order to increase its light, also it's forbidden. But if the intention was to strengthen the wick, in order that it should stand up and not stoop over, then it's permissible. And for this reason, you're allowed to wind a permissible item that you can light with around some rubber or straw in order to uh, give it strength. One can put a grain of salt or a half a bean by the fire on Erev Shabbos in order that it should be able to burn properly on Shabbos. One can only use oil to light Shabbos candles that gets drawn after the wick. You cannot use uh, lime or beeswax and not oil that's made from cotton and not with any fats. Similarly, one may not light with resin because it has a bad smell and you might leave it and walk away and leave the room. One shouldn't lie with balsam because it has a nice smell. Maybe you will take some of the um, oil and then you are liable for extinguishing on Shabbos. Ballad. I feel the Shaman Even if you put a little bit of olive oil into these oils, that previously they would those oils uh, would not be drawn to the wick and now they would be drawn. Nevertheless, you still may not use them to light. Hey, Congealed fats and the insides of fish, you shouldn't use them to light with. If you put a little of the kosher oils into them, then you can use them to light. All other oils. Apart from these, you can use to light from. Olive oil is the choicest way of doing the mitzvah. If you twined uh, some lime uh, or wax or fats around the around a kosher wick then you can uh, use it to light with one who is lighting needs to light the majority of the wick that comes out of the candle one need not singe the wick says the Ramah we are accustomed to light the wick and to extinguish it in order that it should already be ready to go and that the uh, flame should hand, hang on to it well. 
Yud. Ein madlikin chutin afil One shouldn't light with cloths, even those that have already been pre-scorched. The laws of utensils that are placed underneath the candle. One may not put a utensil that has holes in it, uh, that's full of oil, uh, by the mouth of the candle so that it can take the oil from there. Our sages made a decree that you might take some of that oil and then you will be liable for extinguishing because that oil was to be drawn from for the light. If you closed it off with lime, now it's permissible since it's all one vessel, one uh, separates himself from it because of the prohibition of Shabbos. One shouldn't fill a plate with oil and place it near the can- next to the candle and have the head of the wick in that plate uh, so that it could draw from that plate. They decreed lest you come and take some of that oil to use for other purposes. One shouldn't place a utensil under the candle to uh, catch the oil that spills uh, because you have uh, taken the utensil away from its original designation you can place it before Shabbos and any oil that's spilling it's forbidden to use it on Shabbos it's forbidden to touch a candle that's lit as it uh, is hanging. Even though you're not moving, there's no concern about muksa just simply by touching it. It's forbidden. Lest you move it a little by touching it and you turn it. You can place a utensil under the candle to uh, catch any sparks. Because they don't have any tangibility. And you're not uh, taking the utensil away from its original prepared designation. But you can't place water into it, even on Friday during the day. Because it hastens, it accelerates the time that it takes for the sparks to extinguish. Nevertheless, you are allowed to put water into a lamp uh, that you're using to light if you do on Friday. Because your intention isn't to extinguish it, but to raise the oil which is floating above the water. Says the Ramav, even if you intended that it should eventually extinguish, sorry, it's permissible. Since the water is not visible, it's beneath the oil. It's only a causative form of extinguishing. And that is the Minak. One who was on a journey when Shabbos came in. One who was on a journey, and then the sun set, and he's carrying money, he has his donkey, he also has a Gentile with him. He shouldn't place his wallet on his donkey, because he is obligated to have the donkey also rest on Shabbos. He should give his wallet to the Gentile to carry for him, and on Master Shabbos he should take it from him. Even if he didn't pay him for it, and even though he gave it to him, once it was dark, he's allowed to take it back. But if you happen to find something on Shabbos, you're not allowed to give it to a non-Jew to look after. Unless you gave it to him while it was still not yet Shabbos, because now it is like his purse, because he was already Kona before Shabbos. 
If you don't have a Gentile with you, then you can place it on the donkey. And in order to avoid being liable for um, make donkey driving, uh, so in order to avoid having the animal pick itself up and put itself down, and that's how we carry on Shabbos, so place it once it's already placed, picked up its legs to go, the lava kirahi, then we don't have the uprooting the first part of the carrying. And when it's then standing, you can take it from it. And afterwards, when it goes to pick up its feet again, then replace it. Some say you need to be careful not to lead it out loud any time that the money is on it, because then it's doing the malacha for you. Says the Ramah, he shouldn't ride the donkey, but walk by his feet. If he needs to leave the outer boundaries of the city, uh, because he's scared of bandits, any other danger. Even if he's in the city out of limits, he can sit on the donkey and ride. If he had with him a donkey, and at the same time he also had a deaf mute, someone who was deranged or a minor, it's better to place it on the donkey rather than to give it to any of these other people who wouldn't be liable, but nonetheless they are human beings. If he had with him a deaf mute and someone who was deranged, he should give it to the one who doesn't have the mental state of being. Hey, shota cotton. If he had someone who was deranged uh, and he had a minor, again, he should give it to the shota because eventually the minor will uh, come to understand. Cherish for cotton, a deaf mute versus a child. Then there's no preference. He should give it to whomever he wants. Some say that when you give it to one of these, you place it on him, as he is walking, and take it from him once he is standing. That's only when you gave it to him once it got dark. But if you give it to him while it's yet day, it's permissible in any way. If he doesn't have with him any of these people, then carry the purse uh, little by little for Amos and stopping and continuing for Amos. And that's only your wallet or something that you found. If it hadn't come to your hand, then you're not allowed to then pick it up. Some say that's only if it got dark while you're on the way. That's when you thought you had enough time left in the day. But someone who, in a regular situation, left his house close to dark and didn't realize and he took and was carrying something out in public domain, our sages didn't permit him any of these aforementioned uh, remedies. Tess. If one reached the uh, most the outermost courtyard that is already fenced in, that's protected. One may take off the donkey those items that may be moved on Shabbos. And those items that are muksa, one should simply loosen the ropes and let the bags just fall off. And if it was carrying uh, glassware that is muksa, for example, bloodletting cups that have no purpose at all on Shabbos, because they're disgusting. But if they would fall to the ground, they would break. Then place pillows and blankets beneath them on the ground. And that's only when we're talking about 
light, small loads that you can simply remove them from beneath. But if they're large, that you wouldn't be able to remove the blankets from beneath them. You, it's forbidden to place them beneath them because now you have taken the, those blankets away from their original usage. Rather, just unload the uh, goods Gently, so they don't break. Don't leave them on the animal because that is unnecessary pain for the animal. If he was on the way and it got dark and he's wearing his film, or he's sitting in the base medrash in the field and it got dark, so he places his hand over his film until he reaches his home. If there is a house that's close to the city walls that people keep things, then you can leave them there. If he had his uh, bundle on his shoulders and Shabbos came in, he should run, uh, continuing to have them on top of him until he reaches his home. That's only running. He can't simply walk slowly. Since there's no clear recognition, he will come to do the uprooting and the putting down. Because at some points he will be standing and he won't be thinking. But if he is running, then it's clear. When he reaches his home, he wouldn't have stood at all. And it'll come out that he has carried from the public domain to the private domain. So he throws it in an unusual manner in a way that's not a regular way of throwing like backwards off the back of his shoulders. Yudbeis. That he could only do this, they only permitted a person to do this with his bundle, but not with his wallet. Some say that the same thing would apply to his wallet. Someone who forgot his wallet upon himself on Shabbos, if he is at home, he can go with him to his room, to loosen his belt, and then it should fall and he'll be able to hide it away. But if he's out in the marketplace, he's not allowed to bring it home. Rather, he needs to loosen his belt in the marketplace and let it fall. And he then tells the Gentile to look after it. And if he happened to then bring it to his house, there's no concern. See further if the wallet was sewn onto his clothing, what to do. If you found a person, you cannot take it. Even though you might, you're concerned that somebody else will get to it first after Shabbos. The laws of davening on Erev Shabbos. We don't say Tachnon at Mincha on Erev Shabbos. We daven Marev earlier than during the week. And from Plag Mincha, one can light candles already and accept Shabbos with Marev, and to eat Shabbos, the Shabbos said immediately. See above how we calculate the time of Plag Mincha. Gimel. In the Baruch of Hashkibena, we don't uh, conclude that God protects his people Israel. But once you reach that line, Omer one says, We change the language to ask Hashem to spread his tabernacle of peace. Blessed Hashem, who spreads his tabernacle of peace upon us and upon his people Israel and over Jerusalem. 
the laws of one who errs in the Shabbos davening. In Mariv, one says, If one erred and instead davened a regular Mariv, a regular Shemonesri, then you conclude that bracha that you remembered that you made a mistake, and then you start the Shabbos davening. Makes no difference whether you remember during your Atachonen or any other bracha from the brachas of the Shemonesri. Whether we're talking Mariv or that in Musaf you interrupt even if you're in the middle of a bracha. Gimel. If you thought it was a weekday, and you began think with that thought in mind. And immediately after you said the word Atta, you remember before you said Chonen, then it already counts as if you began the weekday blessing and you should complete that bracha. But if you knew it was Shabbos, and it wasn't intentional when you began the word Atta, even if it's in Atta, that you don't begin with Atta in the next paragraph, you don't complete the bracha. Because either way, we consider it as an error in the Shabbos afternoon. Because on Friday night, Shabbos afternoon, you could continue Atta, Kidashta, or Atta, Echad. One who davened a weekday davening on Shabbos and didn't mention Shabbos, it's not fulfilled his obligation. If you did mention Shabbos, but you did a regular Shemona Esrei, uh, and but you didn't have a separate bracha for Shabbos, you've still fulfilled your obligation. Even if you simply mentioned, uh, may we make before you uh, our obligations with the daily sacrifices and the Musaf sacrifice, you've fulfilled your obligation. Hey, if you erred and davened the weekday davening on Shabbos, but you didn't mention Shabbos, if you've taken your steps backwards, you need to begin your Shemona Esrei again. But if you didn't take your steps, even though you continue, you've completed your entire tefillah, you only need to go back to where the Shabbos uh, davening begins after the Akala Kaddish. Who forgot Shabbos uh, during Shabbos? I am Kuf Chaf Vav C earlier. Vav Hatoy Betvil Shabbos Hechlif Shel Zubazu. One who erred in the Shabbos davening and switched uh, one davening for another. In the he doesn't need to go back. Right, so let's say he did a Shabbos instead of a Mincha. Uh, some say that if he switched a Musaf for another one, or a Cheres B'Shel Musaf, or vice versa, Chazer he does need to go back. After you complete your Shemona Esra, your, your Amida, we once again recite That's because of Yamtev, which falls, when it falls in Shabbos, we don't say it during the Amida. And also to have those who don't know how to daven fulfill their obligation. And we say it out loud, standing up. Then the Chazan recites one bracha that contains uh, allusions to all uh, seven brachas that we that everybody else recited. But the individual doesn't say it. Says If an individual wants to be strict upon himself, he can he can, he can recite it, but without the opening and uh, concluding paragraphs. And that's our custom that the congregation indeed does recite those middle paragraphs uh, without the opener and closer. Test. 
You don't mention Yom Tov in that uh, mini repetition of the Chazan. We don't recite the, this small bracha um, alluding to seven in, a, in the house of a Chazan and in a house of Shiva. That we are not concerned, that we don't have the reason that people have come to Shul late and might stay late and uh, be in harm's way. Yudalif. After Shabbos, after Yom Tov, Amin Brachem Ein Sheva. Also, the Shabbos after Yom Tov, one says this mini Brachem Ein Sheva. Yudbeis. Ein Ladav B'Shal Shemim Vayichulu. One shouldn't speak while the congregation is saying Vayichulu. Lo B'Shal Shemim Shliach Brachem Ein Sheva. Not while the Chazan is reciting his bracha. Yudgimel. Im Isbal Shel Chol Vlo Hitko Shel Shabbos. If you daven the weekday Shemim Esven, you didn't mention Shabbos. Oish Lo Isbal Klalu. You didn't daven at all. B'Shal Shemim Shliach Tzibur Brachem Ein Sheva. Merosh Ratzov. Yotza, and you heard the entire bracha, main sheva from the chazan, you fulfilled your obligation of reciting the marav. Simon Reish Lamech Tess, Tin HaKiddush, Bevez HaKnesses, Vosif Echad, the law of Kiddush and Shul. Aleph, Nogin LeKadosh, Bevez HaKnesses, we are accustomed to make Kiddush and Shul. Ve'en LeMekadosh, Lita, Miyein HaKiddush, Elamat, Imel HaKachan, and the person making Kiddush shouldn't taste any of the Kiddush wine, but gives it to a child, and Kiddush Elamachim Suda, because Kiddush needs to be in place of the meal. Ve'ayin LeKam Simon Reish Ayin Gimel. And originally, this was only instituted for guests who would eat and drink in Shul, so that they would fulfill, fulfill their obligation. Nowadays, even though guests don't eat in Shul, the institution wasn't negated. That's the reason for those places who have the minog to make Kiddush and Shul. But it's better to have the practice not to make Kiddush and Shul, and that's the minog in Israel. And the custom is to stand during Kiddush and Shul. Simon Ayin Reish. We say the chapter of That's the right way. Some don't say it on Yom Tov that falls on uh, when Yom Tov falls on Erev Shabbos. Some don't say it on Shabbos Hanukkah. Says the Ramah. That's not a on Hanukkah and Shabbos of Chalamod, we don't say it. Bechem Yom Tov Shachal Yis B'Shabbos, also Yom Tov Tefal and Shabbos, Ainem Rosa, we don't say it. Simon Reish Ayin Aleph. Kishi Dinei Kiddush Al Yayin Avod Yudzayin Sifin. The laws of Kiddush over wine. Aleph. Kishi Yavu Leveso Yimar Lechol Miyad. When you get home, one should hasten to eat immediately. Beis. Nashim Chayavus B'Kiddush Avod Bishum Mitzvah Esa Shazman Grama. Women are obligated to hear Kiddush, even though it's a positive time-bound mitzvah. Mishum Deitkish Zacher Leshamer because Zacher and Shamer are connected to one another. And women, since they have an obligation to keep Shabbos, they also have an obligation to remember Shabbos. And they can make Kiddush on behalf of men. Because they have the same biblical obligation as the men. If you don't have enough money for Kiddush wine and to prepare the meal for the night and for the day and for the Kiddush of the day, it's better to buy wine for Kiddush uh, for the night rather than prepare use that money to buy food or to purchase wine for the day Kiddush that which we learned that the honor of the day supersedes the honor of the night that only refers to all other parts of the meal if you only have enough for one cup of wine for Kiddush then the honor of the night precedes the honor of the day 
It's forbidden to taste anything before you make kiddush, even water. Even if you started your meal from while it was still day, you need to interrupt it that you put a uh, covering over the bread and make kiddush. If you were drinking wine first, then you only need to make the bracha of the kiddush without the bracha of hagafen. And then you make the bracha of over the bread. If you don't have wine and you're making kiddush over bread and bracha moti, then you don't make the moti. Some say that even when you make kiddush over the wine, you don't make the moti. Hey, two people that were drinking and said, "Let's go and make kiddush." Now, uh, it's become forbidden for them to drink until they make Kiddush. If they now want to go back and drink before making Kiddush, even though they shouldn't, they would have to make another Bred Priyagafen and afterwards drink. Somebody who forgot to make Kiddush until he had already made Motiv, but he remembered before he ate, he should make Kiddush over the bread and afterwards eat. But for Havdalah, he should eat first, because we can't make Havdalah over bread.